So the film Love Actually is a film which has several different storylines all running parallel to each other. Um, so I thought it would be good to do a quick recap of what those storylines are. Um, I've always loved this film. I watch it every Christmas. I make Luke watch it every Christmas while we wrap presents. And that, for me, is like the, the start of Christmas when we um, watch Love Actually. Uh, yeah, so I'm only 11, so I haven't watched this film before. Um, so this would actually be quite helpful. Yeah, so why don't we show photos of the characters, Josiah, and then you try and guess what the storyline is from the picture. Are you up for that? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so here it looks like we have Juliet and Peter and Mark. So it looks like Juliet and Peter get married, but Mark wants to marry Juliet. That's right, yep. So Mark is the best man, and at first he seems to really dislike Juliet, but then in a surprise twist, not a surprise at all, Mark declares his love for Juliet on Christmas Eve while Peter is in the other room, and then Juliet runs down the street and kisses him. That's not really okay, is it? No, it is not. Let's move on. Here's Jamie um, and Aurelia. I'm guessing they're in love, and there's subtitles too, so maybe they don't speak English? Yeah, well spotted. So Aurelia doesn't speak English. So the story here is that Jamie um, catches his wife cheating on him. So he goes away to France uh, to write a book, and then he meets Aurelia, who is Portuguese. Jamie can't speak a word of Portuguese. Aurelia can't speak a word of English. And there's lots of funny moments as they try to communicate with one another. Then in a surprise twist, not a surprise at all, Jamie goes to Portugal to declare his love for Aurelia and ask to marry her. How can you marry someone you can't even speak to? It's a good question. Let's move on. Okay, so we got Billy Mac and Joe. It looks like Billy is a singer and Joe is his stupid friend. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so Billy Mac is a singer and he's trying to get to Christmas with that lovely song, Christmas is All Around You. There's lots of funny moments as uh, Billy Mac does outrageous things on TV and radio and there's even a cameo from Anton Deck as he goes on their show. But then he realises that um, fame, no longer, long, sorry, fame no longer gives him the height it once did. The rock star life is empty and he wants to spend more time with his best friend, Joe. Oh, that was a surprise. It was. Let's move on. What about this one? Okay, so that's the Prime Minister. Um, and that's what, which Na one is the Prime Minister? Oh, the Prime Minister's the girl. <laughs> and then Natalie's the boy. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Natalie's in love with him, but he's not in love with her. Good guess. So they actually work together, together. For some reason, Natalie swears all the time accidentally, but he fancies her anyway. Then the Americans come over, and the American president flirts with Natalie, but she gets sacked, um, and the prime minister doesn't do anything about it. But later, he finds his backbone, and he changes a world policy to get revenge. Um, then he goes out to her street and knocks on doors until he finds her. Wow, that sounds like a really terrible prime minister, but still not worse than Boris Johnson. You know, like. <laughs> yep, let's move on. Okay, so this is Colin. Is he a chef? Uh, let's just move on. <laughs> okay, Harry, Karen, and Mia. Mia likes Harry, but Harry and Karen are married, and Harry likes Mia more than Ka Karen. You got it. 
That is exactly what happens. Harry and Karen, or Harren as I call them, are happily married with two children. Uh, one of the children is the lobster in the nativity, which is why we had Bobby as the lobster, Bobster the lobster in the nativity. Um, Mia works with Harry, she flirts with him, he flirts back, he buys her a lovely gift um, and he only buys his wife a Joni Mitchell CD. Karen finds the gift and realises what's going on and in what I think is the best scene of the film. She holds it all together for the kids and then tells Harry he's made a fool out of her and out of the life she lives. Sorry. Why are there so many affairs in this film? Why? Yeah, let's move on. Sarah and Carl. I think Carl really likes Sarah, but Sarah doesn't like him. It's a good guess. These guys are actually made for each other, um, but Sarah has a very a needy big brother who has special needs. She spends a lot of her time looking after him, and that kind of gets in the way of them developing a relationship. That is sad. Let's move on. Okay. So, um, Daniel and Joanna. Daniel and Joanna are married. They have a kid called Sam. They get a divorce, and Sam is sad about it. <laughs> You've really gone downhill now with your guesses, Josiah. Like, all the bad things happen. So actually, Daniel's wife and uh, Sam's mum has died, so it is quite a sad storyline. They're both extremely sad, but then it turns out Sam, the kid, isn't actually that sad about his mum. He's sad because he's in love with a girl from school, Joanna, the girl that's there. So they set about to win her heart through music. Is she the girl who sings All I Want for Christmas? That is right, yeah. Let's move on. Here's um, Judy and John. They look like a nice, normal couple who have gone, to, the, gone to, to get their photos taken. Yeah, that's right. Totally normal, really nice couple. Yeah, let's move on. So this movie actually sounds really terrible. What does it have to do with Christmas? That is a very good question, Josiah, and I think you've slightly ruined it for me now. Um, so... <laughs> This obviously is a film that's set in Christmas time and there's a nativity in it, so it classes, uh, classifies as a Christmas film. And now that we've looked at it, this film, um, you've got failed relationships, you've got creepy love affairs, you've got grand sweeping romantic uh, gestures, most of which are inadvisable. And it's actually not a nice little story at all where everybody lives happily ever after. But it does give us some insight into the complexity and the variety of many of our human relationships. It shows the impact of brokenness, of family breakdown, of failure to communicate. And if we think about the birth of Jesus, some of which was shown today by our lovely kids... Um, it's also not a nice little story at all where everybody lives happily ever after. In the birth of Jesus, you've got scandal, you've got heartbreak, you've got confusion. Um, there's an old couple, Elizabeth and Zachariah, who are suddenly and surprisingly pregnant. There's a young couple, not even married yet, but find out they're going to have a baby. Mary risked her life to have the baby. It was uncomfortable, it was inconvenient. The baby was born in a guest house where there wasn't really enough room, it's not ideal. Um, they had to make do with an animal feeder for a bed. And we've heard this story so many times that we kind of get desensitized to it. We're like, oh yeah, Jesus was put in the manger, that's fine, all normal. But I've got two children, and if I'd have had to put them in an animal feeder when they'd just been born, that would have been really, really stressful for me. Yeah, and it would have been really busy because loads of people had gone to get counted and it would have been really noisy and chaotic. Yeah, and it would have been crazy. And then some random shepherds turn up. Now, these aren't old, like, wise guys. These are young teenagers. They're uneducated. They've got way too much energy, a bit like you, Josiah. Oh, thanks, Anna. 
But if you actually think about it, why are these random shepherds suddenly here at the birth of Jesus? Now we know why, 2,000 years later, because we can see through scripture that God's plan for Jesus was for everybody. So right from the start, the, the lowly, the kind of lowest form of society were there. I'm not sure at the time that would have been totally obvious. And then you've got a violent king who's threatened by this baby. So he's gone on a killing rampage, trying to kill all babies under two. Jesus and his parents then become refugees as they flee to Egypt to avoid getting killed. There's foreign nobles who aren't Jewish. So again, why have they turned up? Why have they traveled thousands of miles from another country to see this baby? Again, we know why. We know that the message of Jesus is for everybody, not just for the Jewish. And that was made really clear by these people turning up. But at the time, I'm not sure that would have been totally obvious. You've got old people, Simeon and Anna, who really did wait their whole lives for that moment. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Seems that right from the start, the good news of Jesus was for people of all background, life stories and worldviews. It's for the young people, the uneducated like me, and it's for the smart people, the rich people. Yeah, exactly. So regardless of circumstance or life story or relationship status, the good news of Jesus doesn't discriminate or exclude people. It invites all people to know freedom, forgiveness and joy. And so in uh, Love Actually, the real film, the mess we see isn't really that far away from the chaos that we saw at the birth of Jesus. And at the start of the film, we have this very cheesy introduction. I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed, but I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. So this introduction makes the whole film sound romantic and then obviously it turns out to be these messy storylines where everyone is looking for some sort of love but maybe not making the best choices to find it. And I think it'd be really easy to watch this film and think, wow, there's a real lack of God in their lives. You've got people having affairs, men lust lusting after women. It's just a mess. But the thing that really strikes me is that we look, if we look at the life of Jesus as a grown-up in his ministry, it's in the messy lives that you find him. He speaks to a Samaritan woman at the well who had had several marriages um, and was someone that Jesus shouldn't really be speaking to. But he takes the time to talk to her and connect with her and speak into her life. 
You find him having dinner with a tax collector who everybody despised because he stole from them. Again, not someone you'd expect the Son of God to be sitting down to dinner with. He was best friends with two sisters who were both single, so that was unusual. Um, Somebody once crashed through the roof of the temple to get healing. They created a literal mess in the church, and yet Jesus didn't condemn that person, but healed him instead. Jesus never, ever backed away from people whose lives were messy and who had made some bad choices. It was there that he found his ministry. It was there that he came. This is the reason he was born. And he met people where they were at into those lives he poured himself in 1 john 4 it says dear friends let us love one another for love comes from god everyone who loves has been born of god and knows god whoever does not love does not know god because god is love this is how god showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us yeah this is real love And to quote Hugh Grant, love actually is all around us because God is love and God actually is all around us. He's in that small, still whisper. He's in the wind. He's in the fire. He's in our everyday. His Holy Spirit lives in us if we want it to and it makes us more like him. He's in our struggles. He's in our dark moments. He's in our workplaces. He's in our homes. He's in our schools. Wherever you're at right now, whether you've got like a closeness to God and you really know his presence, or whether you're feeling like, I don't really know who God is, God meets us where we're at. Jesus is in our messy lives, and I don't mean that judgmentally. We all have messy lives. I definitely do. As we approach Christmas, what are we slightly anxious about or very anxious about? Is it in-laws invading our homes or maybe you're the one that will be doing the invading? Is it financial worries? Is it loneliness? Does Christmas bring up grief for you? Is it busyness? I know this week I haven't even stopped to breathe. I've been so busy trying to get everything done, let alone pause and spend time with Jesus. Is it work pressure? 